powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. So let's introduce the title. Say, Pursue, Pursue. Overtake, and Recover All. I just need to know who's going to be about that life. All right, I'll work with that. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive Remain standing. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Uh, Samuel was one of the prophets of his day. Uh, Quite the uh, straightforward guy. When King Saul decided he had a bright idea and disobeyed what he was told, uh, he went and tried to conjure up Saul, uh, excuse me, Samuel from the dead. And a medium brings him up from the dead, and, and Samuel gets an attitude with Saul. He says, what did you bring me up here for? He said, I'm enjoying being in the presence of God, and you sitting here asking me about what's going to happen to you. You know what's going to happen to you because you didn't do what you told. So he's like, let me go on back to what I need to do because you're going to be jacked up because you don't know how to listen. Touch your name and say, listen. listen. So I like Samuel because Samuel just would tell it like a T-I. Yeah. Just tell it like a T-I-S. Not ears, like a T-I-S. Now, here it is, 1 Samuel 30. I want you to get down to verse number 8. And uh, Samuel, we're reading about David in the book of Samuel because Samuel was the prophet that had anointed David to become king. In the days of the scriptures, being the man of God was greater than being the king because the man of God was a king maker. So Saul was anointed to become king by Samuel, and now his replacement, David, was anointed by Samuel. But now David's got some issues going on uh, with Saul because Saul wants to kill him. And, uh, and so David's just trying to live. Say, he's just trying to live. He's he just trying to just live, but everywhere he goes, Saul just want to kill him. Saul fight too much. Saul just want to kill him. And Saul wanted to kill him because Saul was remi- every time he saw David, he was reminded of what he could have been had he not disobeyed. Some people, their problem with you is that when they see you, they see what they could have been had they not disobeyed. So their attitude with you ain't with you is with seeing what they should have been. So, so he wants to kill David because he's saying, this is what I should have been. This is who I should have become. This is where my life should have gone. Uh, but now I've, it's clear that God's left me and he's chosen you and I'm pretty ticked off about it. So now David has got this band of men that have defected because Saul wants to kill them, and they've defected. What I love about David is he never dishonored or disrespected Saul, although he wanted to kill him. He didn't do that. And so he he said, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. He said, I know Saul just tried to kill me, but he's still over me. I know he tried to kill me, but he's still the leader, and I'll dare myself lift up my voice against him. So I I like David, because even though Saul would try to literally kill him with a javelin, he'd be sitting in the throne room, and Saul would be like, come here. You move too fast. Give me another one. Stand right there. So we're in 1 Samuel chapter 30, 
And uh, a battle has happened, and we're going to look at it, and I want to get to verse 8. I'm starting real slow today, so I, I, we can move in this thing, because by the time I get through with this, uh, if you're still sitting in your chair, then you can't, you can't hear English then. You must not speak the king's English. First Samuel chapter 30. Everybody got enough background? Here we go. Verse number 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? And shall I overtake them? Somebody say two questions. You heard the two chains. These are two questions. So David inquired of the Lord. Now, now we'll, we'll look at what happened in a minute. Shall I pursue this troop? Should I go fight? And shall I overtake them? In other words, here's what David's praying. Here's what David's saying, y'all. David's saying, I want to go fight, but would you just tell me I'm going to win? David was saying, I don't mind fighting a little bit, but I'm just so tired. I need to know that if I run up after them fools, that I'm... I, I think somebody in here, I, I think somebody in here knows how David felt. David said, I don't mind fighting. I just want to know that if I fight, I'm going to win. I don't mind, I don't mind, I don't mind putting in the time. I just need to know that I'm going to win this time. And he answered him. How many questions? Watch this. Three answers, though. Pursue. Answer one. For you shall surely overtake them. Answer two. Wait a minute. Bonus round. And without one failure. This atmosphere is not right. Thank you so much for coming to Harvest Christian Center today. I'm Bishop Foreman. I'll see you next Sunday. I'm going to give you one more shot. Just one. Pursue, for you shall surely win, and I got a bonus for you, and you ain't going to fail this time. All right. All right. I'm going to give you one more shot because God gave three answers, and if it ain't right, I promise to you, I promise to you, you've never seen this in church, I will go sit down, tell them to sing some more songs because I can wait for the 1115 because they turn up. He asked how many questions? Two preguntas. Dos preguntas. He gets tres answers. Contestas. It's southern Spanish, so I know it don't say. He said, Bishop, that ain't how you pronounce it. I said, baby, I'm from the south, so I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying it like where I'm from. It's a new language. Everybody's going to be speaking in a while. How many questions? How many answers? Three. Now, y'all put this scripture up, and if they don't do it, I'm serious. Play another song, and I'm just going to go sit down. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> How many questions? Three. Shall I pursue this truth? And will I win if I fight? And God answered him. Go fight. You're going to win. And by the way, you ain't going to fail. Say this over your life. Say, I'm in a season where I won't fail. I'll work with that. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak to us now that we might move in what you have ordained. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. Introduce the title as you take your seat. Say it to yourself. Just be seated. Say pursue, overtake, recover all. Be seated. The art of preaching is called homiletics. and homiletics, there are a variety of ways to postulate the principles of the sacred writ. Uh, the three I employ most often are topical. Topical uh, preaching or topical homiletics is where you pick a topic and use the scriptures to support the topic in which you pick. Expository preaching is where you explain a particular passage uh, in, some great, in some level of depth. But exegesis is when you go into an in-depth explanation of the text. Today, I want to exegete in a way uh, that when I was sharing this with pastors, it tremendously empowered them. In fact, one pastor told me yesterday, he says, shut up right now before you make me throw my phone against the wall and break it. 
I was telling him what was in the text, and he was like, God, dog. He said, if you keep talking, I'm he said, I just got this phone, Bishop. He said, please stop, because if you keep talking, I'm going to throw my phone against the wall. Today, I hope I bust your phone up, bust your iPad up, but... Because God told me to announce something over your life, you are supposed to pursue and you are supposed to overtake and without fail, you are supposed to recover all. So can I exegete the text? Can I exegete the text? Watch this. Watch this. First uh, Samuel chapter 30. Let's get to verse 1. Here it is. We're going to walk it out. I've got about 19 or 20 or so verses that we've got to exegete, so I need you to move very expeditiously with me. First Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites, important for you to know, Amalekites means giants, uh-huh, which means David was familiar with this type of enemy because David had, issue, uh, had experience with giants. You remember... It was David uh, who had went up against Goliath and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistines that dare defy the armies of the living God? So now David is facing, watch this, not one giant, but giants. Watch this. It says not the Amalekite. It says the Amalekites. Mm -hmm. You do understand pluralism, don't you? So watch this now. It's more than just one man, Goliath. It is now a whole army called the Amalekites. Now watch this. They had invaded from the south uh, and into Ziglag uh, and attacked Ziglag. Ziglag means fortress. Watch it. So now we've got giants coming into a place that should be fortified. A fortress means a place that should be fortified. It means you shouldn't be able to get past all of the security mechanisms that have been put in place there. Or some of you that in your life you look and say, how is it uh, that that got past all of my security mechanisms? How is it that I got open emotionally to that? How is it uh, that I allowed myself to make this decision and that decision? It is now Ziklag, a fortress, a fortified place, a citadel of sorts. Watch it. They attacked the fortress and they burned it with fire. And throughout this message series, we've discovered that we all encounter setbacks. Some choose us and some we choose. But now watch this. This was an unexpected setback. Say unexpected. What means it caught David off guard. Please understand, it's really, if I could say it this way, it's an unfair fight because he didn't know he'd signed up for it. Now, there are some fights that you sign up for because you just talk too much. But there are other fights. Oh, come on, be real with me. Do not look at me with that pontificating face like you don't know what I'm talking about. Your neighbor has a problem called a jaw keeps moving sometimes when they should just attach it back to the top. Let's be honest. Touch your neighbor and say, you know that's the truth. You know that. It's some fights you never would have got in had you just said, mm -hmm, okay. It's some fights you never would have got in had you just learned to hush and keep your peace. That's why they used to say, I just got to let the Lord, I got to hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles. Anybody remember that? Now watch this. It's an unfair fight because he didn't sign up for it. They attacked from the south so they couldn't be seen. So now he's in an unfair fight. And it's not even a fight because they left. It's not even a fight because they wouldn't even stick around and say, hey, man, we got your stuff. Fighters for it. It's a real punk move to, to, to throw a blow and then not even stand around to get a blow back. Okay. Some of y'all know about folk like that where they throw rocks at you and then go hide their hands where, where they say all this over here. But then when you try to find them and say, well, say that to my face. You such a man. Come up here, partner, and say that to my face. You such a diva for Jesus. Well, stand your diva for Jesus. Butt up and say it to my So watch. The Amalekites played a punk move. I can see the spirit of Fuggers in the 915. So they, they, they play a punk move. So some of y'all know, especially some of y'all, you come from the street, got it? And you went to the school, the street. You, you understand, you didn't have no problem fighting with folk just as long as they would come. And they come, man, I can't stand you. Your issue is folk who's saying that over here but won't say that to you. All right. Some of y'all don't know about the streets. I know. I'm just talking. Verse 2, exegete. Watch this. And had taken captive the woman, the women, and those who were there from small to great and did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. So now they make a sneak attack, and then they burn it to taunt them. Why, Bishop? Because as they're riding up to the city, they can see the fire. 
You have been far away from something, but been able to see that when you get to that something, it's getting ready to be. Yesterday, yesterday, I was, I was, yesterday, I was, I was going up north. I was going up north to uh, what's it, Thornton, North Bend, up there. I was, I was going up north, and and uh, but didn't nobody tell me that there was traffic on 25. Didn't nobody tell me that that traffic went from like Colorado Springs all the way to Greeley or something like this here. It, the traffic was just horrible. It was ungodly. It was demonic. I mean, Satan was all in it. He, he, the devil was busy, child. He was busy. And I mean, I was, I was sitting in traffic. What should have taken me 15 minutes, it took me an hour and 15 minutes. And punctuality is important to me. And so I'm like, you got to be joking. I'm sitting here in this traffic. And I said, we ain't going nowhere. I said, somebody, so I said, I said something better be going on up here. Because if I get down here, that ain't nothing but a detour. Y'all sitting up here acting like you don't know drive means drive. I never understood traffic. Just put your foot on the pedal. Keep your eyes on the road. This ain't got nothing to do with you. This ain't got nothing to do with you. Learn how to just mind your business. Just mind your business. And we can get to where we're going. So it's the traffic is just horrible. I mean, it's just awful. And my computer, she's talking to me, and I'm just like, baby, I don't want to talk right now. Right now not a good time. Uh, I want to take you on a detour that is going to save you three minutes. I said, what does three minutes make? And I'm going an hour and 15 minutes. So watch this. <laughs> I, could, I could see. Uh, I got on a hill, and I could see part of the highway. And as I could see part of the highway, I said, OMG. I said, I was fine behind the other cars. Until I saw, you're missing it. And when I saw all the rest of the traffic, my anger was intensified and my soul got weary because I said, I can see that this ain't finna be no quick. So when they set the city on fire, David and his men, as they're riding into the city, can see from a distance, it's getting ready to be something going on when we get there. Have you ever saw something from a far distance and said, man, when I get up on that, I already know it's going to be some smoke in the city. But now watch this, watch this. So they set it on fire, but now watch this. The Amalekites were out of order in the basic rules of engagement because they left the people alive. Notice the scripture says that they did not kill them, they left them alive. Question, what would be the purpose of leaving the women uh, and the children alive? Please understand, I say they were out of order. Unless you were going to make them slaves, there was no real reason for you to, uh, uh, to take them. Uh, but please understand, I need to let somebody know something very important. Uh, please understand, uh, when the Amalekites came, the Amalekites said, we're going to taunt David and we're going to take David's stuff, but we're not going to kill it. Y'all missed it. Uh, in other words, what David initially probably thought happened really didn't happen. He sees a fire from a wave thinking, man, they're dead, they're gone. But then he gets up on the scene to say, well, the city's burned, but they're gone. You missed it. They're not dead. Their bodies aren't here. They're gone, which means they were taken alive. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? So the enemy, watch this, that while they couldn't see it, David and his men couldn't see the women and the children. Uh, it wasn't destroyed. They were preserved. I got a message from the throne room from somebody. Somebody in here gave up on something because you couldn't see it anymore. But it's not gone. The enemy got so arrogant, he wanted to taunt you with it. But I got an announcement. He's getting ready to have to give it. He should have just killed it. But since he didn't kill it, I know it's still alive. And touch your neighbor and say, he's about to give it back. He's about yes, he is. They should have just killed them. I said they should have just killed them, but they didn't kill them. You know what they did? They said, we're going to taunt him with it. But in taunting him with it, all they did was preserve it for David. It's some stuff that you sit back saying, wow, it sure would be nice if I could get that back. And you're thinking to yourself, well, it's gone. I got an announcement from God for you. It ain't gone. It's just being preserved. But by the time I finish with this today, he's going to have to give it back. God, I wish I had some faith in this house. Let me move. I got more verses. Verse number four. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no power to weep. Watch this. David and his men, look at me, Harvest. These were fighters. These were warriors. Let me use one of our words. These were gladiators. 
So now watch the text. What happens when the strong get tired of being strong? What happens when the gladiator gets tired of gladiating? What happens when the warrior gets weary? See, 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 I, I, I came to talk to some people this morning that say, I remember when I was strong, but I got attacked and I didn't know it was coming. And all of a sudden, the strong are now weak and the warrior is now weary. Where y'all at? Because God sent me to revive you today. God sent me to wake you up today. He sent me to rest. So watch. Why did this attack weary them? It got to the point to where they couldn't even cry anymore. When you can't cry anymore, that's a dangerous place. Because that either means you're now passive or it means you're mad as hell. Hell here, the Greek word Gehenna, which means how to, it literally means a trash heap. You're mad as a heap of trash. You ever seen how the fire burns for a heap of trash? <laughs> now watch. Now watch. They couldn't cry anymore. Have you ever gotten to a place in life where when you thought about it, you wanted to cry? And you, in fact, tried to geek up some tears? Geek up means conjure up. Like you put on a real sad song and be like, I know this one's going to take me. But even a sad song don't make you sad no more. I'm going to preach somebody for you. So then you get a little water. And maybe I'm going to pre-start the tears. They could, why did this weary them to where they couldn't weep anymore? Now, these are fighters. These are the strong men. How did the strong men get to the place where they can weep anymore? Well, remember, today I'm, I'm giving you a, what kind of message? An exegetical one. I'm using the preaching homiletical uh, uh, skill call exegesis. So this is an exegetical message, which is designed to give you a very intense view of the text. Because some of you are saying, what's point number one? I already made it. So this isn't topical. This is exegetical. I, I, I'm just going slow because I need to make sure you get this. How did David and these men who were fighters get to the point where they didn't want to cry no more? What happens when the strong people get weak? What happens when Superman don't want to go in the phone booth? What happens when Batman don't want to see the cave? What happens when the Green Lantern don't want to green it up? I don't know what he does. I don't know. What happens when Spider-Man just lets them do what they're going to do? <laughs> uh, we don't see why really in chapter 30. It's chapter 29 where we see why he felt this way. In chapter 29, David had just been rejected from joining with the Philistines. David, now remember I already told you he had defected because Saul wanted to kill him. So he defected to one of the lords of the Philistines and he had wanted to fight with the Philistines. Now this is interesting. Goliath was a Philistine and so now David says, well, since Saul won't have me anymore because he wants to kill me, let me go join my enemy's team. And the lords of the Philistines look at him and say, no, you belong with Saul. You can't fight with us. He, he, he said, he, he, he said, no, you can't fight with us. In fact, it was quite a show. The Bible says that they, they, they had to pass reviews. So it is just like in our military where they got to make sure you, your heart's right, your body's right, because they don't want you getting out there talking about, oh, I need a cheeseburger. No, we got to fight right now. So you're gonna have, we're going to have to make sure that you're ready to fight. So literally, they parade around them, the lords of the Philistines do, and say, no, isn't this David? Didn't David kill Goliath? Why are you trying to fight with us? What's this? David had gotten to such a place in his journey to where he said, let me try to go join my enemies. <laughs> but even his enemies wouldn't have him. <laughs> okay. See, some of y'all, because you got weary, tried to go back to your past, and your past said, nope. <laughs> I'm going to help somebody in here. Some of y'all, because you got weary, you tried to go back to what you used to do, and even what you used to do don't want you no more. They say, you belong with Saul. What you sitting up in here smoking for? What you sitting up here cussing for? What you sitting up here? Ain't you supposed to be a Christian? 
but even his enemies wouldn't have him. It, you know, it's a big failure when even your enemy won't accept you. The Philistines said, no, you can't come with us. And so watch this. Uh, uh, but, but this is more perplexing. So, so, so in 29, he suffers a failure. The failure is the failure of rejection because they're like, you can't even fight with us. So now David rides off having just been embarrassed in front of these 600 men because they're like, no, you can't even fight with us. So imagine what that ride back to the camp is like. Now, ain't there something? Our enemies, wouldn't, we could have told them how to get Saul or something. Our enemies wouldn't even have us. <laughs> But this is more perplexing because this is the same David that had slain the giant Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. And after defeating that giant, why was he so wearied with this? He's seen God work for him before. So why is he wearied over this? He's... He's watched God deliver a victory. I'm going slow, but I'm going to make it make sense in a minute because I want to make sure you get it. He watched God give him a victory before. So why is he all of a sudden thinking the same God back then is not going to see to be the same God now? The same God of 13 chapters earlier. What, did he change his mind about you now? The same God that got you through that last year and got you through that what, is he not going to do it this time? You, you want to know what happened? What, what, why did David get so, this should have been a piece of cake. David should have been like, let's go. Let's just fight. Let's just do what we got to do. You want to know what happened to David, 915? David's problem was he now had experience. When he fought Goliath, he wasn't experienced. He was just prepared. But now his experiences have created a paradigm. Since he had won before, he was now scared to lose. Okay, I'm going to help some money in here. So sometimes your previous wins can create a fear in you. But you got to understand that previous win was just a kindergarten enemy. Goliath means one giant. Amalekites means many giants. So, so now watch this. David had to have this wind that gave him the fear to lose. Why are you scared to lose now? Because you'd won something before. And had you never won. But watch this. Here's the flip side of it. Whether the experience is bad or good. Sometimes if you, if you, if you fight and lose... You got this experience that creates this issue. Sometimes if you fight and win, you got this experience that creates this issue. Can, 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 I, can, I, can I keep walking this? I'm just going to stay in first gear. We're going to go to second gear in just a little bit. Oh, watch this. Now that he had some experience fighting, he had a sense of fear he didn't have when he fought Goliath. Remember Goliath, but Goliath, even the king didn't want to fight Goliath. You remember this? And uh, the king was like, I ain't going to fight him. Saul. Saul's like, I'm not going to fight him. And David, here comes David. David like, it's a fight? <laughs> Who fighting? Are we winning? And David said, David said, watch this. I want to I help you with something. I want to help you with something. This may be as far as I get. I want to I help you with something. David's like, well, what, what is the man that defeats Goliath? What is he going to get? And he said, well, he's going to get this. He's going to be one of the king's daughters. He's going to get this. He's going to be like, oh, okay. Sign me up. I'll fight. He said, I'm sick of being out here with these dirty, stinking sheep. Let me go fight something bigger so I can live bigger. You want a big life? You're going to have to beat a big giant. You want a big life? You're going to have to beat big obstacles. You want a big life? You're going to have to beat big problems. Don't you be jealous of folk that ain't never beat nothing big and they living small. Why are you jealous of that? Don't you criticize my harvest until you beat my giant. Don't you criticize what he's doing for me until you had to take out what I had to take out. Shut your mouth about me until you've had to deal with what I had to deal with. You see glory, but you don't have any clue about the story. So I says, so David's like, sign me up for the battle. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. This may be as far as I get. And David, and David uh, comes up. And matter of fact, Saul's like, but listen, man, put my arm on. The king says, put my arm on. But here's what happens. The Bible says the armor didn't fit. Now, wait a minute. David is getting ready to fight a giant. His brothers are like, why are you going to do that, David? His brothers give him a hard time. Please understand, because they were like, well, since we couldn't take him down, what makes you think you, or you just going to that church and sitting up there listening to that Bishop Foreman? Yeah, yeah. 
you're doggone right. Just because you want to be average all your life, don't. I sure am. I found out I'm somebody. I found out I'm the head and not the tail. I found out I'm a king and a prophet. Sure am. Touch your neighbor and say, sure am. So like, why are you going to do that? Why are you going to do that? So his brothers fight him. So King Saul, I got to move. So King Saul, let's go to second gear. Mm, here we go. So King Saul is like, King Saul is like, hey, listen, uh, what I want you to do is, is I want you to put my armor on. So David puts it on. David like, this don't fit. You're missing the point. David was more concerned. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you something. He was more concerned about looking good while he did it than about being protected. You're missing the point. David, because he had no experience, said, I want to look good while I'm fighting. So I don't really need your armor. I ain't really tested it because it's too big. I'm just going to go out here with a slingshot and five smooth stones. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Which reveals to us just how inexperienced David was, which is why he had the fortitude to go out. See, before you had experience, you were never scared. You didn't care about losing. You didn't care about who talked about you. But now all of a sudden that you got some experience, you're sitting up here acting. So why is he sitting here crying when before he was like, I don't even need no armor. I'm going to take down a 12-foot almost giant with some rocks. But now you sitting here got so weary, you can't even cry no more. <sighs> Your experiences, both bad and good, can teach you to be fearful, scared, and nervous. And that's why what should be a no-brainer to you seems so complex to you. I'm talking to somebody. Here we go, verse 5. I got to move. My goodness, I'm only through verse 5. Verse 5. And David's two wives, Ahanoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, remember, we already discussed that the enemy was out of order because he should have just killed them unless they had plans on making them slaves. So watch this. This passage uh, that we're in, 1 Samuel 30, repeatedly mentions David's wives, and I wondered why. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going to come back to that. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul, the mind, thoughts, will, and emotions of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What well, says? He had to encourage himself so that he didn't give in to the pressure of the average crowd. Before I bounce back, I said this last week, manifest around you, it first happens in you. David said, I hear what y'all are saying, but David was like, listen, I... I <laughs> I don't even really have time to sit up here and fight with you about why this happened. Uh, I wasn't here. If you'll remember, we were all together while the Philistines and the lords of the Philistines were. So, so how was I supposed to know? I didn't have cameras over here to be able to see. I didn't have a, a Tyco alarm system that allowed me to see what they were doing. I didn't have uh, somebody spying out who could call me on my cell to tell me something is going on. Nobody texted me and told me. Uh, nobody sent me a message. So you mad at me. I'm just as mad. He didn't know. Watch this. Watch this. Look at verse 7. Then David says to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Look what David said. David says, first, let me bounce back internally. David said, because right now, I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to do because my experience is talking rather than my faith. When I went to fight Goliath, all I had was preparation. See, I beat a lion, I, I beat a bear, and so I had preparation, but I didn't have experience. I never fought a giant. But now that I fought a giant, now that I'm facing giants... Amalekites. Now that I'm facing giants, now all of a sudden, I don't really know what to do. I, I'm a bit confused. I'm a bit perplexed. So he says, I need to pray. He wanted to pray before he became prey. He wanted to pay, pray A-Y before he became prey E-Y. I found this, that people often talk to people with no answers when they need them. Don't consult losers when you need a win. Don't consult quitters when you need a fight. Don't consult the wrong people at the wrong time because they'll give you the wrong information that will keep you from a bounce back. David said, I can't talk to none of y'all right now because y'all are all in this setback. Verse 8, so David inquired of the Lord. The ephod was the prayer garment. 
David inquired of the Lord, which is really unique. Even if I had more time, I'd, I'd deal with that. Uh, uh, but I can't do a part two of this one, too, so I don't have time to do that. We'll get that some other time. Uh, it's unique that David would take on the priestly role. Okay. Uh, why didn't he say priest, go ask God what we're supposed to do? Okay. Okay. Because uh, Jesus was coming in the lineage of David. He, Jesus would be the son of David, and he had to be in the lineage of both a king and a priest. So David had to learn how to be spiritual and not just natural because Jesus was coming through that bloodline. And so David had to establish something in the bloodline. Can I tell you, you're establishing stuff now that, are gonna, that is going to rest in generations you'll never, ever meet. But I don't have time for that, though. So look, 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 look. Verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord. This is the verse we looked at saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? In other words, I'm willing to fight, but, I, but will I win? And he answered him. How many questions? How many answers? Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now, can I be real honest with you, third gear? Here's the truth. David didn't really mind the fight. He just wanted to know he was going to win. Can I even tell you something? David really didn't want to give up. Bishop, how do you know that? Because if he did, why pray? I'm going to help your neighbor. I'm going to get your neighbor real straight, real quick. Stop saying, I'm going to give up. Then why would you come to church? If you wanted to give up, you would have just given up. Stop saying, I think I'm going to throw in the towel. Shut up. You just want attention. If you wanted to throw in the towel, you would have thrown in the towel. You just need to know whether or not you're going to win. And God told me to announce over our house today that this time you won't. Just your neighbor say, I win this time. I win this time. Shut up that complaining. You don't want to quit. You just want attention. I'm really thinking about it. No, you're not. But watch this. God gave how many answers? To how many questions? So God's three answers revealed David's unasked question. You ever talk to somebody who they ain't really saying what they're trying to say? And you trying to get them to say what they really trying to say? I don't like when people talk to me in riddles and parables and things. So I have a saying like, what's the bottom line? Or where are you going with this? Or what are you trying to say? Because I don't understand. You don't got to speak to me. I'll give you the Hebrew to Greek. You don't give me no Hebrew and Greek. I use the parables. You speak in plain English. This is the order of Jesus. Got it? You have to talk to somebody like, what? So what does that mean? What does thou meanest? The Lord did that for David. The Lord was like, come here, Davy. Which, by the way, means beloved or friend. He said, come here, beloved. So let me tell you something. He said, you asked me, should you go fight and, and, and would you win? But I know what you really want to know. Since you just failed in chapter 29, you really want to know if you're going to fail this time. Quiet in here. So God says, David, I know you're scared to fail again. So let me go on and answer what you didn't ask. You picked the right day to not choose to stay at Bedside Baptist. Because God says, I heard what you've been praying, but you ain't really been saying what you're really trying to say. You just want to know, will you fail again? God sent me here to answer your question that you didn't ask. No. David was so weary. Can, 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 can. David was so weary that he asked a question that should have been a no-brainer. It wasn't like he was going after new territory. It was his stuff. You missed it. Shall I pursue? Well, wait a minute. This is your wife, wives. <laughs> These are your children. This is your stuff. Why are you asking if you should? Shouldn't you be asking where it's at? David was so weary that he asked a question that should have been a no-brainer. It wasn't like David was going after new territory. It was his stuff. Can I make an announcement to you? You're asking God questions that really should be no-brainers. That was your self-esteem. That was your confidence. That was your job. That was your car. That was your house. That was your money. That was your reputation. Why are you asking, should you fight for what's yours? David was saying, I know it's mine, God, but I'm just scared to fail. 
He was so weary. He said, Lord, I'll fight, but I need to know if I'm going to win. Can I make an announcement to somebody? Often your assignment's first answer to you is no. Often when you are getting into a place in life called assignment where you're doing that which you were created to do, its first answer is no. But the key to your bounce back is what have you done with your setback? I got a question for your neighbor. Why did you allow failure to change what you said you believed? It's quiet in here. Go to third gear. Yes, sir. Uh, why did you allow your setback to change what you said you believe? How is it that you believed it before you set back? And now that you got a setback, you're not sure whether or not you believe it anymore. Could it be that the setback was to test your tenacity about what you said you believe? Could it be that God says, I just wanted to see if you really wanted it, even when it looked like it wasn't going to be yours no more? See, I need to talk to the people. I'm so sick of people that won't fight for nothing. And when stuff gets tough, they want to throw in the towel. No wonder you're broke. No wonder you're jacked up and messed up. But I think there's a church full of people that say, I will pursue and I will overtake. And just because I had a setback didn't change what I believed. Why did your setback change what you said you believe? Why did that trouble change what you you said you believe that? You know, I believe this and the Lord this and the Lord this and who? Mitsubishi, Subaru, and Honda. You call out all the automobile makers. And now because you had a setback, now all of a sudden you ain't sure no more. How you ain't sure no more because you had a setback? Well, maybe that ain't the Lord's will because it was hard. Do you think God's will is supposed to be easy? If it was easy, it'd be being done. That's why Jesus said, let my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, it ain't being done now because it ain't that easy. Uh, uh, I got 10 minutes. Uh, verse 9, I'm only halfway through. <laughs> verse 9. So when David went, he and three, uh, the, the 600 men who were with him, how many men were with him? So imagine 600 men crying. What you crying for? They gone, but they're not dead. You crying and your crying made you miss what's right in front of you. If they're not dead, that means they ain't gone. They ain't dead. They, they still around. I just can't see them. So 600 men that were with him, they get to this brook called Besor. Say Besor. Where those who stayed, uh, 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 were, who were left behind. Now, Besor means cheerful or good news. They get to the brook of good news. They get to the brook of July 27, 2014, where the man of God gets up and says, you shall pursue, you shall overtake, and without fail, you shall recover all. Tell somebody, that's good news. Problem. Problema. Did I get that one right? I'm working on it. Watch this. Verse 10 indicates the problem. But David pursued. He and 400 men, but 200 stayed behind because they were so weary they wouldn't cross the good news. I discovered that I, I, I had to come to this reality as a pastor and sort of a sobering one that I can sit up and tell people good news all day long. But what I had to discover is this, is everybody just don't want to cross over into it. And that's a sobering reality to know that I'm sitting up here preaching, telling you, pursue, overtake, and recover all. And somebody else saying, that's real good, that's real good. You're going to walk right back out here and stop at the brook. That's sobering to me because I'd really like to see everybody up in here. I don't just want to be the only one to go myself. I want to see everybody up in here cross the brook of good news. Watch this. 200 of them wouldn't hear the good news because they were too tired. 
God just told him, go get it. And without fail, you're going to recover it all. Now they get to the brook of good news, cheerfulness. And they're like, we're just too tired to even believe the good news. I hear what you're saying, Bishop, but I'm just too tired to believe that. I hear what you're saying, Bishop, but I'm just all my life. I'm just so tired. Watch this. A brook implies that it was in a valley or a depressed place geographically because water doesn't flow up. It flows down. Got it? So when it's a brook, that implies that it's in a depressed place or it's in a valley, which means, watch this. Now, the brook, watch this, uh, was really good news from a bad place. It was a bad surrounding, but it was good news coming in the bad surrounding because a brook had to be a depression. It had to be a valley. It had to be a place of descension. So for it to be a place of descending, excuse me, rather. So for it to be a place of descending, it meant it was a valley. So now at the brook, they got good news, but they couldn't cross over the good news. Even before they got there, they got good news that you shall pursue, you shall overtake them without fear. You're going to recover all. But they still couldn't cross over because they were too tired. <laughs> I believe that the 200 deciding not to go was God checking to see if David would still go even though 200 of his homies fell through. Homies is an urban colloquialism which means associate goers. 200, let me talk to the ladies, 200 of the girlfriends are like, nah, I don't know no more. Can I make an announcement to you? Everybody won't cross over the good news with you. You just got to learn how to go with the goers. If I let the non-goers stop us eight years ago, we wouldn't still be standing. But I learned, I feel like preaching right here, but I learned that sometimes I'm just going to have to go for myself and go with the goers. And if it means I got to walk by myself, well, baby, I got to walk by myself because I'm going to get what's mine. Touch your neighbor and say, that was a test. Now, I'm, I'm going to make this make sense. I, I, they tell me I got five minutes, so I got to hear it. Verse 11. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. So now they ride. I'm on a horse. Or jogging, you know, whatever. And they ride, right? And they ride, and they get to the brook. And when they get to the brook, they stop. 200, like, we're just too tired. This, can we stay here? David's like, cool, but I'm going. Because I was told. On July 27, 20 and the 14, to pursue, to overtake, and without fail, recover all. So, fine. You be tired, but I'm going to do what I was told. Just the say, do what you're told. Harvest, do what you have been told. So, look at what happens. Here it is. Verse 11, then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins so that when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. Mm -hmm. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for these three days and these three nights. Here they are weary. Here David is tired, just being deserted by 200 of his men. And here David is, and here these men are, finding this other guy who's in a setback of his own. Okay. He's in a setback of his own. I'm just trying to stay up here so if I bust out running, I got enough stage left. Uh, here they are in their own setback. So weary that they couldn't even feel like they could fight anymore, but they got a word. And when they got their word, they rode forward on that word. You know hearing what I'm saying? And here there is an Egyptian who they find in the middle of his own setback. And rather than sitting there saying, well, I got to go get mine. You know what they say? Uh, we're going to help him get his. I got a question for y'all. Uh, here they were weary, but they helped him bounce back. Uh, who have you helped to get their bounce back while you asking God for yours? Uh, who have you encouraged? Who have you prayed for? Whose journey are you making easier? Watch this. Verse 13. Then David, matter of fact, you read. I'm, uh, my voice tired. Verse 13, you read. Ready, read. See, you better be careful who you start treating poorly. You better be careful who you start copping attitudes with. Some of y'all better be careful that face you got on right now. <laughs> because watch this. Had they not stopped to help this guy, 
He's the servant of a who? An Amalekite. But watch this. I'm going to read the rest. And my master left me behind because three days ago I got sick. So for three days and three nights, y'all don't know the Bible, do you? And Jesus went to hell for So this is really indicative that a resurrection was, uh, baby, you ain't been dead. You getting ready to resurrect. You, it's, verse 14, we made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. Now, David said, Lord, should I go? But he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know where the Amalekites were. It's really quiet in here. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? Verse 14 or 15. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? Shall I pursue this troop? You shall pursue this troop and you shall overtake and without fail you shall recover all. So he said, the Egyptian boy said, swear to me by, uh, by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me in the hands of my master, and I'll gladly show you where they're at. Okay. All right. All right. Had he not helped this Egyptian boy get his bounce back, he never would have got the information about where the troop was. Can I tell you that your bounce back is directly connected to... To somebody else's back, back, bounce back. Matter of fact, somebody the other day called me, and I've been, I knew we were coming here on Sunday. And somebody called me, and, and they were telling me the situation. Y'all be seated real quick, be seated real quick. I'm about to, I'm getting ready to close. Uh, and, uh, and, and they, they would tell me their situation, tell me what's going on, tell me what's going on. And I, and I, I, I was going to uh, helping them and help, and you just walking them through the scenario. And I, and I went to 1 Samuel 3rd, and, and, and I was exhorting and encouraging, et cetera, et cetera. And then by the end of the call, I said, now here's what you need to know. I said, all of what I just told you, I just got that uh, from the text. You missed it. Say, uh, uh, now, they sitting there saying, my God, woo-wee. I mean, it, all the church, you know, colloquialisms and cliches, you, I mean, woo-wee, woo, say that, my God, you know, all that. And I'm like, now, here's what you need to know. I just got that. Let me try over here. I've been looking at the text to try to see what it was that I did not see when I first looked at the text. And when I talked you through your setback, ah, when I talked you through your setback, all of a sudden, here it is, I'm getting stuff out the text. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Grab your neighbor and say, we got to bounce back together. We got to, yes, we do, baby. We got to go in this one together. You need me and I need you, so let's go in and bounce back together. I wish you'd shout not for your bounce back, but shout for your neighbor's bounce back. Act like you want to see them bounce back. Baby, yours is connected to theirs. So here it is, verse number 16. And when David, and when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land. Eating and drinking and dancing. Because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and the land of Judah. The land of who? The Philistines and the land of Judah. You missed it. I'll deal with that next time. Touch your neighbor and say, you're about to interrupt your enemy's party. They sitting up living in your house, driving your car. Verse 17. You read it. One, two, ready, read. Uh, let me just tell you, attacked in Hebrew means beat down, <laughs> smashed, <laughs> slapped, <laughs> ruined. That's what it means in Hebrew. Literally. From twilight into the evening of the next day. Now, now this is probably, see, this is why I keep coming back here. He beat down, smashed, 
slapped and ruined them. Watch this. From the dawning of the day to the evening of the next day. Well, how did he do it if he was so tired? You know what? He took one hit and was like, yeah, I'm getting my strength back. You getting your strength back? He took another hit and said, I feel better good now. He took another, took another, took another. And as he kept on fighting, he, he fought them from Sunday morning until Monday evening until he got all of his stuff. But watch, but watch. Twilight had another meaning in Hebrew when I looked it. So from Sunday morning to Monday night, he fought. But here's what I need you to understand. Twilight has dual meaning. Twilight means stumbled. So when David finally got there, he, he's, he's like, I'm so tired. I ain't been through hell. I didn't even know if I had anything left and I stumbled down on him but because I had sold his bounce back the Egyptian boy I'm getting ready to reap my own bounce back. God I wish I had a church here so because he had a seed in the ground for that Egyptian boy's bounce back he stumbled up on the Amalekites, but as he stumbled, watch this, he kept on fighting until he won. I need to tell you something. The enemy doesn't care if you lose nor if you win. He just wants to stop you from trying. Uh, Y'all want a little more? Verse 18. Ready? Read. One got it, two got it, three got it, four got it, five got it, six got it, seven got it, eight, nine, nine, ten, twelve. Just like God told him. Wait a minute. Why are they talking about these two wives again? In the Hebrew culture, it was really insignificant to list the wives, especially to list where they were from. That's just, it was a male-dominated culture. You know, it was really no need to list them. But now they've been mentioned two and a half times. Generically earlier, then by name earlier. And now by name and destination twice. So two and a half times they've been mentioned within the span of 19 verses. There is a principle in scripture called uh, the law of witness. If something is mentioned two or three times, you better find out why it's mentioned. Okay? Because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let something be established. I'm closing harvest. Here it is. So David recovered all the Amalekites the giants had carried away. Notice they carried it away. They didn't destroy it. And David rescued his two wives. Now, now this is, this is, this is probably going to be deep, and this is probably, I'm just going to, okay. Sit down. No, that's okay. Y'all trying to get turned up like 9, 11, 15. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Here it is. Uh, you want to know what his wives' names mean? Four of you do. Okay, well, amen. Benediction, you're in. God, you said it. We believe it. Uh, the first wife, Ahinoam. Her name means pleasant. She's from Jezreel, which means when God sows. S-O-W-S. It's pleasant when God sows. I need to tell somebody, which means, watch this, watch this. This setback, God started.
Do y'all speak the English over here? I know him. It's pleasant, just real, when God sows. It's pleasant when God sows. David rescued, it's pleasant when God sows. But now the next one is the one that, that I'm talking slow because I just get so excited. I be getting so excited. Abigail. Hmm. Abigail was the widow of Nabal. The Lord struck Nabal down in, in chapter 25. Uh, the Bible says Abigail was intelligent and beautiful, and she was regarded as a prophetess. In fact, she was so beautiful, beautiful. She was so. <laughs> she was so beautiful that <laughs> that the Bible said that. Excuse me, the Hebrew midrash, which is the rabbis discussing the text, they said that she was one of the foremost beautiful women in all of Hebrew history. Translation for the young folk: She's fine. Amen. She looked like Bishop's wife. Amen. Call things. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got that. I go for myself. Uh, what's this? What's this? Abigail was the widow of a man named Nabal. You ready for this? Now, if you don't act like stank face church off this, stank face church, you never have something be so good, you'd be like, But I'd be listening to my business. I'd be, saying, I'd be like, I pushed away from my desk one day, but I broke the desk. I'm like, Nabal means failure. David is married to Abigail, whose name means my father's joy, who is the widow of failure. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all not hearing it. Y'all ready to dive real deep, uh, 915? You ready to dive real deep, 915? This battle, which was started by God, was more than just them recovering that stuff. This battle was to heal that 16-year-old boy that David was when he was rejected by his father who was about to step into his assignment. You're not hearing what I'm saying. It's pleasant when God sows. Watch this. David wasn't his father's joy. Bishop, how do you know? When, when Jesse, or excuse me, when Samuel came to the house to anoint Jesse's sons, which one of them would become king, they didn't even invite David in the house. They left David out there on the field to tend to the sheep. So here David is watching his daddy and his brothers in there with the man of God, but they didn't even invite him in the house. And so David now develops a rejection complex because he's saying, what's wrong with me to where he didn't let me in the house with them. You're not hearing what I'm saying. So when David marries Abigail, his father's joy, he wasn't his father's joy because his father never even invited him into the house. Oh, God. And then in 1 Samuel 29, he experiences rejection a second time by his own enemies. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. So God said, David, this battle I started, this setback I started because what I want to heal is that 16-year-old boy in you. Because what did he get back? His father's joy. What did he get? God, I wish I had a church in here. Can I tell you the setback you've been in has been about more than just you getting some stuff. The setback you've been in is God says, I want to go heal that little boy. I want to go heal that little girl. Because God says, you're getting ready to become king and a boy cannot reign. But oh God, can I tell you this setback was to grow you up. This setback was to turn you from boys. Be a good church. This was to take you from being a little girl to a. This setback was to heal in you. That person. God said, David, you're getting ready to take the throne, boy. But I won't let a child reign. And you're too immature. And you're immature because you've been rejected. And because you've been rejected, 
Now you got all these extra issues, David. Why are you asking me should you go get back who's dear to you? Why was David asking should he go fight to get the two wives he had and to go get the children? Why was he asking should, that's a no-brainer. Why would you ask should you go get your wife and kids? Why would you ask should you go get your stuff back? Because watch this, who was close to him didn't mean nothing to him because he never let anybody get close enough. Because he was so scared of being rejected. So he's asking, should he go get what's close to him? Because people that were close to him, really, he didn't have a proper value of them. Because since his father didn't value him, he, know, he now does not know how to value others. Some of you, the issue you got with folk is that they don't know how to value you because they've never been valued. So they can't give you what they've never had. And you're asking them for something they don't know how to do. So God says, I got a setback, David. That's going to heal that 16-year-old boy. You're almost getting ready to take the throne, David. And I see the journey I got you on, David, beloved. And I need you to know that I got to heal that. So the Bible mentions the wives twice, two and a half times to be exact. Because this embedded in the text, that's why this is an exegetical message, embedded in the text was God saying, I sowed this. And I sowed this to heal that part of you that will destroy you on the throne. Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Nice. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. we never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Yeah. Phone plan, streams, and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.